Welcome everyone to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I'm Sergeant Chelsea Weaver. And I am Airman First Class Danielle Dawson. And today we have a lot of firsts for us. Um, we have Airman Dawson on with us. She's new. Also, we are in the field. You can tell if you're on YouTube. Um, we're at South Carolina State College and we're here with a very special guest. So, sir, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and then we're just going to kind of go into the, the podcast. Okay. Uh, just one one correction. So, it was South Carolina State College when I went to it. Uh, and then okay. later on, they changed to... South Carolina State University. So, yes, it was a college. So my degree says college. But I'm (laughs) Lieutenant General Beegs Beagle. I graduated from South Carolina State in 1990, commissioned near active duty in the infantry and been been in ever since. Awesome. So when you went to college or even through high school, were you planning on joining the military at that point or were you kind of just not knowing what was in your future? Yeah, no, I was. So I, I played, you know, Three sports in high school. I mean, I grew up in the upstate of South Carolina, so near Spartanburg, and played three sports. And, you know, my desire was to go to college and, you know, play sports, a sport, one of the three. And just knowing that wasn't going to be a, be a reality, I went to a recruiter, went to MEPS here at Fort Jackson. I came back home at 17 years old with the paperwork and, my, and put it in front of my mom to sign it. And she said, no, not, <laughs> not doing it. You're going to go to college. And I said, well, we can't afford it. And so, true story, I went back to high school. I'm in a dilemma. I had a guidance counselor actually tell me, said, you're not college material. I said, okay. My, my grades weren't, you know, terribly bad mm-hmm. and, you know, played three sports. But I went to one of my friends and I said, hey, I got to apply for a college. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to South Carolina State. I said, great. Where is it? He said, Orange, <laughs> Orangeburg. I'm like, okay. And, you know, I applied, got in, came here, and it was it was great. Best decision, you know, ever. Awesome. So you're from South Carolina? Yes. Okay. Where are you currently raised. stationed at right now? Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Kansas. So I command the Combined Arms Center okay. at Fort Leavenworth, and that is, you know, I wouldn't say our largest command in the Army, but in terms of what, what we control and what reports to us is probably one of the largest because every other installation, so you think Fort Benning, Fort Leonardwood, Fort Seal, Fort Gordon, they all report to Fort Leavenworth. Okay. Awesome. So we were supposed to have another guest with us, General Jenkins, which a lot of you probably know if you're in the Guard, South Carolina National Guard. Um, so did you guys kind of meet here at college, or did you know each other beforehand and then ended up at the same school? No, we didn't know each other beforehand. But okay. in the way we started here, I mean, most of us, you know, as freshmen, you, you probably don't know each other going through as, you know, in ROTC because the class is so big. Back then, we called it the Bulldog Brigade. And so the ROTC program was literally a brigade. I mean, when it formed up, it was like a no kidding, like Army Brigade. Wow. So lots and lots of freshmen, lots of sophomores. So we really didn't know each other, you know, unless you stayed in the same dorms and, and Jenkins and I didn't. But by the time you contract as a junior, then we started to know each other. Because now you know you're going to go into the Army, whether it be any of the, the compos, compos one, two, or three. Mm-hmm. And so I got to know Jenkins as a junior because we spent a lot of time together. We spent a lot of time at, at Fort Jackson because that's where we train. And then as a senior, of course, you know, a lot of classes together. And then, you know, we, we just were really in a, a solid groove and bond at that point, you know, as a cohort of seniors. So I did want to hit on a more like personal level. Um, what were some character traits that you felt carried you through um, your training, your OTC training um, at South Carolina State, and then what motivated you to just keep going to where you are right now? Yeah, no, I mean, the, the key characteristics were, I think, you know, for me, my background in sports, and mm-hmm. you know, we, we did a lot of hard stuff in sports, had a lot of hard coaches, and mm-hmm. when it came to ROTC, when I asked, because I started, you know, here I ran track first until I got injured, and then I recovered, and couldn't go back to track because, I mean, you know, some injuries you can't, you know, recover from and, and perform at a certain level. But 
knowing what they did in ROTC, I asked some of my friends that were, you know, roommates and they said, uh, you can't do what we do for ROTC. We, I said, well, what do you do? Well, we, we do a lot of physical training. We go out, we play in the woods and, you know, mm-hmm. we do some drills and, and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, that sounds kind of easy. I mean, I'm, I'm still physically <laughs> okay. fit. I like to go work out. I said, I'll join next semester and never look back at that point because it, it was fun. It was just a great group of, you know, people to be around. I mean, the, the physical fitness was like the easy part. I grew up in the you know, upper part of the state, so a lot of wood, so that was easy. So it was really the mental toughness and grit that I gained from sports that, you know, made everything come come fairly easy. Wow. Okay. Awesome. So um, what was your experience like at R- or in ROTC, and then how did that lead you um, through or influence your leadership? Yeah, we, we had a ton of great cadre. I mean, I think if Jenkins were here, he would tell you the same thing. They were super hard on us. It was like being on – a combination of active duty and basic training for our entire time because they would not give us a break to include if we miss like a Saturday morning training or, you know, Thursday one, they would make us go find each other. So we knew like Jenkins, all of us, we knew, you know, each other's phone numbers. And back then we didn't have, you know, cell phones. So mm-hmm. this is dating myself, mm-hmm. right? We didn't have cell phones, but we all had a hard line, you know, wherever we stayed. And most of us as juniors and seniors, we stayed off campus, but we knew where everybody lived. And so they would say, if somebody didn't show up for PT even, Hey, go find them. Where's Beagle? Where's Jenkins? Go get them. And like, you know, and we had to go drive to their house, bring them back. The whole, everybody? No, just one, they, they look at one person, Dawson, go, go get Jenkins. And, <laughs> you know, you're off driving. You go, hey, man, you better come on. Let's go. You miss PT. And, and they did that several times. I mean, wow. so me and one of my, my roommate at the time decided we weren't going to go to a Saturday morning training. We'd been out late at night. Mm. We get a knock at the door. Mm. And there's one of the captains. He's like, are you two coming to training? We're like, yes, sir. We'll, we'll <laughs> now we are. Yeah, yeah. So very tight bond, but I cadre, they were awesome. And and they just truly led by example. I mean, they, they did everything right. They, you know, didn't do things that they wouldn't expect us to to do and just truly set a great example from PT to, you know, just how they communicated, how they operated was just the epitome of what right looked like. I want to ask, so how do you lead by example? Like, what are some things that you – keep at the forefront for yourself to make sure people are following you and seeing consistency. Yeah. One, one, that's the key thing. You got to be consistent. So I always say, you know, how do you, how are you in terms of being effective? And then you got to be consistent about it. And then that gets you efficiency. So I I literally use those three things and you'll see a lot of people that are just not consistent, whether it be in their actions or their words, just be consistent. I mean, you know, you can ask any of my teams. I'm very habit driven. I do things, you know, the same way. And that just makes it easier for people to get to know you, to get to understand you, because you're you're very consistent, you know, in what you do, and your actions. People know they they just know, like, yep, he's probably going to do this or do that mm-hmm. because you're so consistent. And I think that's yeah. one of the the key things as a leader to be consistent. You're not, you know, you're you're high one day, you're low the next mm-hmm. day. You're just constantly consistent. And especially when bad things happen, mm-hmm. you know, people want to you know see how that leader operates when bad things happen or bad news. And you know, if you're consistent this in your, in your tone, how you operate, how you do everything, right. then everything works better. The team is comfortable. Everybody around you feels better and they know they can grow and then nobody feels, you know, threatened or they feel like they're in a bad environment. Nice. So what led you, um, wanting to go active duty versus general Jenkins? I mean, he went guard. So did you kind of have an idea already that you wanted to go active or was it kind of just once you got to graduation, it was 
that's when you determine what, what path you wanted to take. Yeah. I think for me, it was always going active, like right off the bat. But I think a lot of my peers, I'm trying to think, you know, with Jenkins, some were already in the guard when they were in ROTC. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of our peers that, that did that and they just stayed with the guard, didn't go active duty. And, and some were in the reserves and, and they just kind of stayed on that similar trend. So just knowing kind of what they did and what they would do. And for me, it was like, you, you mean you have two jobs? You have to do two things? <laughs> and I didn't want to do two yeah. things? I'm like, no, that's not going to work. I, I'm only good at one thing because I can focus on one thing, but it was always active duty for me and to get out. You know, I grew up in a very small town mm-hmm. in South Carolina, so most people have heard of Ellery, which is closer to, you know, Orangeburg, this area, but then I grew up in a place called Ennery, which is closer to Spartanburg. So there's two, and a lot of times I'll say I'm from Ennery, and they'll go, oh, you mean Ellery. I know where I'm from, mm-hmm. and it's not Ellery. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, there's two, but, it, you know, it all depends on how well you know the states and the very small towns in the state, and Ennery is very, very small, and I said I, I've got to get out of, you know, <laughs> one, the, the, the town, the state, and then just see other stuff, which is, you know, why I decided to do active duty. Okay. Did you ever imagine enlisting in the Army that you would become a general? Like, what was – the process to get to that point and did you ever imagine getting to this point no but I think the great thing about South Carolina State if you were to go to our Hall of Fame I mean there's there's a ton of generals on the wall from South Carolina State I mean in fact South Carolina State produces the most black general officers second to West Point only second to West Point so there, there's tons so as you go through the program here I mean you're looking on the wall you're going wow all these generals came from South Carolina State so it's very similar to West Point so part of it is you know what you can be because you can see it. You can literally see it on the walls. And I like to say to people a lot of times, you can't dream what you can't see. But if you can see mm-hmm. it, you're like, okay, that, that means it's possible. So always knew in the back of my mind mm-hmm. it's, it's a possibility. And you have to put in a lot of work, though. So, I mean, that's the key thing that gets you anywhere. There's never an easy button, especially in the Army or any of our services. I mean, it's always hard work. You, you can you know, outwork the best of them. There's a lot of talented people, but there's a, a great saying that hard work beats talent. When talent fails to work hard. And, and I think that's another reason, you know, why I've made it to this point. I've been around a lot of talented people, but you always have to put in the work because somebody is always out there working harder than you, right? I don't care how great you do, how great you think you are, what, you know, your boss told you. Somebody's working, you know, harder than you at any given time to be better. And you have to have that in the back of your mind. Wow. Um, so on that note, with working hard, how was competition? Because um, I know it can get competitive, um, as I assume, you know, getting to your ranks and just even in the officer world in general. Yeah. Um, so how did you deal with competition with your peers and um, also just maintaining friendships and uplifting people around you, but still making sure that you come out with something? Yeah, no, that's a great point, because I, I learned early not to compete. Mm. Uh, as a young second lieutenant, I was very competitive. And to the point, I think it was to my detriment. So it wasn't you know, anything bad. I mean, I I was still okay with my peers and, you know, my platoon that I had, I mean, we were all, you know, interactive within the the company, but me personally, I mean, I was very competitive because I thought that that's what it was about. You just compete and you kind of bump everybody out, even if that's your, your peer group, your fellow platoon leaders and lieutenants. Mm -hmm. And so I competed, you know, very hard. I was going to be better than you. My platoon (laughs) was going to be better than yours. And that's just how I thought you operated. And it wasn't until I got my first counseling where the company commander told me, it was like, you're not a good team player. Like, <laughs> like what, I thought that's what it was about. You know? and, <laughs> but I understood immediately what he meant is you, you've got to still be a good teammate, team player. You can be competitive, but just be a good teammate, team player. Mm. And so from that point, you know, I learned the key thing is 
don't compete when nobody's counting. I mean, everybody's counting on you to be a good team player, contribute to the team, but but don't you know compete to the detriment of the team. And a lot of times, you know, nobody's really counting. You're counting in your head because you're thinking somebody's going, "Ooh, that's good. Ooh, that was awesome. Mm. Ooh, you you got that." They're not. Nobody's in the stands, you know, going, "Oh, Sergeant Weaver, awesome, great." You know, <laughs> chalk that up. You know, mm-hmm. Dawson, great job. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody's really you know watching you know in that sense. But but you compete. It's friendly, healthy competition. So I learned that, and that changed my mindset immediately to where, you know, don't compete when nobody's counting. But, you know, again, don't let your ambition turn into competition either. And so that was, you know, a key thing as well. You can still be very ambitious, but don't compete your way to where you're, you know, we call it pointy elbows. You're just, you know, kind of elbowing people out and not making friends and making enemies along the way. Wow, that's good. How has your family been supportive of your decision to join and all the progression? And I'm sure you've probably been to all these different stations and stuff moving. Like, how have they been supportive in your journey? Yeah, if you were to ask my wife, I proposed proposed to her, like, right up the street, like a couple of buildings up the street. And her father was in the Army. So he was a retired command sergeant major. And, you know, so he was retiring as I joined the Army. And one thing that she said that I didn't know about, that she told her dad was she said I'm never going to marry a soldier she says I'm not I'm not because I've moved around I've done this I'm not marrying mm-hmm. a soldier mm-hmm. and then she meets me she didn't know I was you know in ROTC she found that out later but then at that point you know love happens and so she had to stick with me mm-hmm. but but she kind of knew what the lifestyle would be like mm-hmm. and she likes to travel and she understands you know her contributions to not just me but our our family and we have two two sons who both one is still here at South Carolina State and the other graduated from South Carolina State as well, and he's a captain in the Army. So we thought that nice. our our kids, at least one or both of them, wouldn't want to do anything Army, military-related. And then our oldest son is a captain in the Army, and you would think with all the moving and the adjustments and overseas and CONUS, you know, you name it, that they wouldn't want any part of it. But they, they've embraced it because I think they learn a great deal just from the travel and, you know, being around, you know, soldiers and families and, and everything else. Okay. Um, yeah, so with your kids, um, what were some qualities you noticed in them or that you instilled in them um, to help them succeed, not specifically in RTC, but just to have that hard work ethic like you had? Yeah, I would say resiliency. They gained that just from their time moving around. I mean, if mm-hmm. I look back on their life, which, again, me growing up in South Carolina, K through 12, same friends, mm-hmm. same you know classmates, same teachers all the way through. With our youngest, I mean, he went to – 11 different schools in 12 years. Our oh, oldest wow. went to 10 different schools wow. in 12 years. So they constantly were, were moving around, you know, for a lot of different different reasons. I'm deployed, you know, we go overseas. I mean, so they're constantly moving. Mm-hmm. But their resiliency, they, they gained that very early. So anything that would be thrown at them, they could always bounce back. And I think they just, you know, took that as a part of their DNA, their character as they grew up. And so for them – to, you know, come to school here and we're, you know, up in New York. I mean, they, they were totally okay with, with that. They can survive on their own. I mean, they <laughs> wow. just grew up very quick. And one thing I always told them is you can try anything you want. Just never quit. Just don't, don't quit. Wow. And then they, they learned that as young kids is because I mean, I learned it. I, I quit football in the third grade and my dad wouldn't let me play another sport for like, I mean, I couldn't play in anything. I mean, not, <laughs> wow. not a chess club if I wanted to. He was like, you quit, <laughs> you're not playing in anything. And not, it wasn't until I got to the seventh grade that I was allowed to, like, play sports again. And at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm not quitting anything ever again. Yeah. But that was the thing I taught them. It's like, if you start it, you finish it. You may not like it. You don't have to do it again. Yeah. 
don't quit. And then they, they both did. So they played sports, clubs, I mean, violin, you name it. Whatever they started, as long as you finish, it's like we're good, but don't don't quit. You're not quitting in the middle. Right. And so they, they had that as part of their DNA too. Wow. Awesome. Is there um like a f- what's the best part of your career? Like what's something that sticks out for you or whether it's like a duty station or um, a position that you were in or something like that. Like what's one big memory that has impacted your career? Yeah. And I wouldn't say it's, it's either of those. It's not the duty station. I tell people, you know, don't get, you know, fixated with, you know, mm-hmm. where you go. I mean, I've, we've been to Hawaii and I've seen people be in Hawaii and be miserable. It's mm-hmm. like, well, you wanted to come to Hawaii. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a postcard every day, but, and you <laughs> wanted to really get here, but now you're miserable. Cause I mean, you figure out it's an island and you can't, you go stir crazy. So, you know, it's not about the place and, and I wouldn't say about a rank either. It's not really about the rank, but it is about the people because that's what, what kept me in. I mean, the the amount of people you get to influence and help, and, and you always use whatever rank you have, use that rank for good, mm-hmm. is something that I learned. And, and you use it to help people. And, and you see people flourish because all they need is a little boost, a little help. And mm-hmm. I think the best story that I could you know share, and it's plenty of them, just like this one, had a young private come to my unit and, you know, and for whatever reason I said, where do you live? And he said, I live, he told me, and I said, that's on my way home. So I'm going to stop by your house on my way home. And I stopped by his house and it was like him, his wife, you know, a little baby, baby's probably about, you know, a less than a year old. And they had uh, a couch, a table, no chairs and a mattress in the room. And I'm like, just lose my mind. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Wow. And so I, I said, follow me home. And we had some, and I was a captain. We had extra furniture. I loaded up on a truck. We take it back to him. I went into work the next day, had a very, candid conversation with you know the chain of command I'm like what what are we thinking and you know and so everybody got themselves straight took care of them long story short you know and I wrote him a note I, I love writing notes but I learned that from you know one of my old commanders and just wrote a note of encouragement and, and I would do that quite a bit and sometimes you forget what you put and so years later he sends me a note and he's a master sergeant and he was like and he and it, now of course with social media he took a picture of that note that I gave him you know back in like 19 what was it, 98, 99, somewhere in there. And I'm looking at the date of it, and I'm like, oh, my God. First, I'm thinking, what did I write? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm opening it up on, you know, on my phone, and I'm like, uh, okay, I didn't write anything bad. you know. <laughs> and, but, but, you know, he was a master sergeant. I mean, he was just doing all this great stuff, and you're like, that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. That is what it, what it is about. Because, you know, I didn't know the impact of that. You don't know the impact of that note. Mm-hmm. You don't know the impact of those actions. And that's not being, you know, braggadocious or anything of that nature. You're just taking care of people. I mean, just like now, we talk about people first. I mean, just take care of people. It's simple. It's not, and I get that question all the time. It's like, what does people first mean? It's like, if you take somebody's furniture that doesn't have it, that's taking care of people, mm-hmm. right? You write them a note, that's taking care of people. I mean, those kind of things. And and it pays off because years later, not expecting it, and you're not expecting a single thing in return mm-hmm. to see that note come back. You're like, that's that's what it's about. You inspired somebody to do something. Absolutely, because you never know that that could have impacted him staying in or getting out. Right. Like so, it's it's the small things that people don't realize that can change somebody so drastically. Yeah, and people like that will give it back. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like you know we we do think paying it forward. I mean, it's just like you go somewhere and somebody's like, hey, they paid for that. Oh, so now you feel compelled to do it for somebody else. You just, I mean, the average person does. So when somebody does that, you know, for a soldier, this uh, an action like that they're going to feel compelled to, to pay it back. Cause like mm-hmm. somebody did this for mm-hmm. me or, or did this for me, you know, gave me something 
then they're going to want to pay it back. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I, so I wanted to ask on that note, what type of community did you keep around you? Um, I know you moved around a lot, but um, sometimes we hear the phrase, you know, you are who you're around. Mm-hmm. Um, so what type of community or what type of group of people in the workplace did you, you know, like to keep in your circle um, that yeah. kept you with people first mindset? One word, positivity. Mm. I don't like negative, so I keep <laughs> keep positive people around me and like to be around positive people. Because, I mean, I know personally, being around, you know, negativity, sarcasm, pessimism, mm. it just drains me. It's like, mm. I don't like it. It doesn't feel right. It just drains me. But if, you know, you're positive, because there's always going to be a bad day. There's always mm-hmm. going to be a day where you don't feel like it. But, you know, you come in, people around you are positive, they'll pick you up. It's like, you know, because mm-hmm. somebody is having, regardless of what it is, somebody guaranteed is having a worse day somewhere. Right? Mm-hmm. And it might not be around you, but but somebody is. And even if there's a, a death in the family, I mean, somebody may, ha- may have had two. And you know, So you have to think of it that way. It's like, this is bad. This is really, really bad. But there's somebody out there that always has it worse. And and that's the the bright side of it. So I'm, I'm never the type to, you know, like to be around negative people or just, mm-hmm. just have negativity floating around you because it just doesn't, it doesn't help. It, it doesn't help at all. But wow. positivity is my community. Have you awesome. ever? Oh, sorry. No, no. Have you ever changed the unit? So let's just say you know you go to one of your new units or um, duty station, and it's already negative. Mm-hmm. You know, what is one instance where you have had to come in and be like, "Listen, this is not going to fly." Oh, I've been in more than one. That, that, <laughs> that's been the case, and especially that's another reason that keeps you going, because you can always be in an environment like that. That you know, in your mind, at least for me, you would say, "If I ever get to that position." That's not going to be my unit. Just let, mm. I, I would love to command that unit or command, you know, that size unit. And if I'm in charge, that's not going to be my unit because I've been in those units. And then when you get to that point, you know, you're like, okay, now you have the rank. You're 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 commanding that unit that you said. So now mm-hmm. what are you going to do? And mm-hmm. and you do it. And so I've definitely gone into environments that have been bad, like really bad, mm-hmm. and and flip it around. But again, it's just bringing out the positivity, the goodness. I mean, letting people see where they're at and go, we're much better than this. And, and, but it takes a lot of leader energy to get to that mm. point, but, but it's doable and, and it's hard because you, you break a lot of things because you go to people that are not, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing or not, not displaying the characteristics that they mm. should. And, and you call people on that and people will get mad. They'll get upset, but you're like, you're, you're hurting the entire team, one person or two people. And mm-hmm. either you got to go or you got to change one or the other. But when you're in those positions to do it, then you can do it, and it and it changes. It it really does. Okay, this is going great. Yeah, this is good. These I'm learning. Podcasts, I'm learning. podcasts are cool. I They're know. Good. I love just because it's a casual conversation. Like it's not like a briefing or something yeah. where you mm-hmm. have to like be straightforward. Yeah. So it's it allows people to be a little bit more comfortable and um, allowing service members to see people in different light. Like it's not always serious. Yeah. Like mm. yeah. there's times where you have to be serious, and times where you can just have a casual conversation and it'd be okay. Yeah. We're all people regardless of rank. That's what, you know, most I think forget. <laughs> like, exactly. I take this off. You met me on the street. You, you'd think, okay, just regular old Joe Blow. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, we're all people. Mm-hmm. So one question I have is, um, I know you've been in for a while. I mean, you're a three-star and everything. Where do you see your career going? Cause I mean, you're pretty high up there. So is there anything after this or are you kind of looking towards retirement or like what, what do you see in your future? Yeah, no, it, I mean, it could be, you, you never know, but I tell people regardless of whatever rank you achieve, you never arrive. And so it's not that, you know, I have a goal or had like a goal. I want to get to that point or four stars. I mean, things just come to you and you always focus on, you know, where you're at. I mean, be where your boots are, focus on what's in front of you 
the next thing will come. That's just always been my belief. And when I was here, I mean, I ran, you know, hurdles. That was, you know, my, my track event. And, and the thing I know about hurdles is you take one at a time. You don't focus on the last one. You don't mm-hmm. focus on the next one. You focus on the one in front of you. And that's the way I've approached my career. It's like, you know, if I get to this point, great, awesome. I get to the next point. But if you don't focus, you know, at the point in time that you're in, then you won't get to the next thing. So it's just like this one. I mean, because I'll get that question too. And, and not to, you know, wave it off or brush that question off. It's like, whatever comes next, come. It, and the Army could say, hey, time for you to retire. Or, hey, we've got something else for you. Okay, all good. But all I'm worried about right now is, is where I am, you know, right now. And that's literally how I've approached every step of my career. It's like, this hurdle, I'm over that one. Okay, now, where's the next one? And then mm-hmm. just keep going after that. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because – I've been around for a while, so I've seen people who chase after the rank. And I've had a supervisor who told me, you're either going to be that person who chases after the rank or you're going to be the person who chases after the job and be knowing everything you can to be able to do that job. Mm -hmm. And those who are chasing the rank aren't focused on everything else around them or, like you said, they're so fixated on that next step Mm -hmm. that they're not worried about what's in front of them, but also it might take them longer because they're – just so worried about getting there instead of just letting it happen. Yeah. So I'm glad that you did bring that up because it's important for people to realize like, yes, it's good to think about the future and like have goals and everything, but mm-hmm. being so fixated on it can definitely have some effects in some areas. Yeah. You turn the noise up on yourself when you do that. Cause now you're thinking about if it's this rank, I got to do this job, I got to do this. And so you just, you just add more stuff to the atmosphere and you're just turning that noise up. And it drives you crazy. So the best thing is just turn that noise down. I mean, I'm focusing on where I'm at, what I'm doing, do that to the best of my ability, and then typically it's going to work out. But if you've got all these other variables that you're just trying to keep your eye on and focus and I'm watching this person, watching that person, this person did this, did that, you're just turning that noise up, and it's going to be like, you know, Superman on top of the building. You, you can't you can't <laughs> turn it off because now you made it so noisy that you can't focus on the simple thing of doing what it is you're supposed to do in the first place. Um, you know, I give advice to – you know, officers, you know, and they talk about, sir, when should I get my master's? I'm like, why? You know, you're captain, you're lieutenant. Why do you want to get your master's now? It's not going to get you promoted any faster. Mm-hmm. But but they think that. And I said, there's points in time in your career where, guess what? You can get your master's and be going to school, and the Army's going to pay for it at the same time. So why are you, you know, just bifurcating your focus, whereas your focus is, like, on those soldiers in that unit are doing this job, but you're trying to do this, that, everything else. You just made life noisy for yourself. And then... Mm-hmm. Because that's what I did. I mean, I waited until the point in time, you know, I get to Leavenworth, CGSC, and you know, I do my master's, I do my coursework, but you're, you're in school. So if you do more school while you're in school, that's okay. But I'm, I don't want to do more school. And, but that's different based on the compos, right? You're in a different compo. Yeah, you have to juggle that. But that is not noisy. That's what you have to juggle because that is the day-to-day life. If you're in a, a different compo, I've got to do stuff related to my military career. I've got my civilian career and I've got to balance and balance, you know, all that, that's just balancing that, that is pure balance, but it's designed that way and it's not noisy. But then if you're just pure comp one, then it's like, okay, you, you don't have to juggle all these things because it's set up a different way just based on the component that you're in. What would you pass to high schoolers who may not be coming from ideal situations? Um, I know you had mentioned a statement earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't see it, you can't dream it. Right. Um, so what, does someone need to do to get themselves in front of just that one star to get them to have hope that they can be something great? Yeah. The first thing is you've got to look, when I talk to young groups is, you know, I said, whenever somebody tells you what you can't do, 
Mm. You got to look at that as a glass ceiling. Your, your, mm. your job is to break that ceiling because I mean, mm. I was told what you can't do. You can't, you're not college material. And that inspired me <laughs> to, to this day. And I think a lot of our youth will have somebody that will say something like that. Well, I want to do this. I want to be a, a news anchor or whatever. It's like, well, why do you want to do that? They're not saying, why do you want to do that? They're saying you can't do that is what they're mm. saying. But you've got to take that as your, your motivation, your inspiration to, to find your way to get to it. And in the military, regardless of you know, whatever branch, will get you there. Because you think about just the Army, how many career fields we have, 150. You think about some of the incentives that will help you out if you come from a bad situation to where you know you can get a bonus going in. It doesn't mean you have to stay in forever, but it's just like just give yourself a good landing spot to start with and then go from there. Most people don't do that. They just try to jump from step one to step five. Whereas if you know I want to get to 10, then just kind of paint that path. This is going to at least get me a better start. I get some, you know, money in my pocket. I get some, you know, good experience. I can potentially, if, depending on what the job is, I get the experience in that. I'm not, you know, going bankrupt trying to, you know, go to nursing school or something. Whereas the army can do mm-hmm. it for me, and and then I go, I go branch out from from that point. And it's just give yourself a better start, right? And the military is like the way. I'm totally convinced my kids wouldn't be in. Not that I had to twist their arm, but I think they mm-hmm. just saw that without us talking about it. It's like, okay, I might not want to stay for like 20 years, but I can get a pretty good start, be pretty stable right out of school. Right. Wow. Absolutely. Do you have any other questions? I do not. Okay. All right, sir. Is there anything else that you would like to kind of end with or close out or before we end the podcast today? No, I just want to thank you guys for what you do. I mean, with these podcasts, it's a lot of you know ways we can inform people and and using all the, the means available to do it is, is pretty awesome because some people just don't, they don't have time. I don't have time to read something. I don't have time to, you know, scroll through something, you know, on my social media, but to listen, however, you know, we do it is great. It's just, you know, inform people of what's, what's out there and just help people, you know, get a difference of perspective and opinion. I mean, that's all this, this really does is just give people difference of opinion and which is great. And so whether we do that, you know, internal, I think it helps our external audiences and, and for our state. I mean, it does a lot of great things because people don't know, you know, they don't know if they don't wear the cloth of our nation, like the three of us sitting up here, they, they don't, they don't know. They just think we're like mm. those people. <laughs> like, what, what do <laughs> yeah. you do? You're like those people, you're different. Right. And I mean, but no, we're not, we're the same as you We're cut from society. I mean, if you were to tell your background, you would share your background. It's like, Oh, okay. You're just like me. You're just like my daughter. You're just like my sister. You're just like, you know, my brother. I mean, yeah, because we're, we're we're like those people too. You know, we just kind of had a different a different focus, a different perspective, mm-hmm. and we're doing things a little bit different. So, thank you guys for what you do. Absolutely, we appreciate thank that, you. and thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know that you guys are going around checking some things out. So, it was awesome for you to take the time to sit with us to be able to share your story that we can share with everybody else. And we hope that you enjoy the rest of your visit while you're here. I will. <laughs> it'll be awesome. Seventy five years of history here with ROTC, so it'll be a great a great day because it's a lot of stuff a lot of activities for today so thank you for your time as well awesome all right all right well if you like this video make sure you give it a big thumbs up if you haven't subscribed to our channel make sure you hit the subscribe button and we will catch you guys in the next episode